This is Existential, the podcast that reminds us that we're human first before we're anything else. And from that place, we can hear each other's stories and experiences as we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Existential. This is season two, and I am so looking forward to bringing you these episodes. Now, here's what I'm going to do differently this season than last season. I'm going to give you more content, more episodes, and some of those episodes will actually just be me talking directly to you. They won't be me having a conversation with someone else. They'll obviously be guests this season. There's always going to be guests, but there'll be more of this, this episode, where I am sharing things that I'm lamenting, things I'm processing, things I'm thinking about, and hopefully those things help you to name and feel and, and, and process some things that you may be thinking and feeling this season. So that's what I want to share with you this year. A little bit more of me talking. So just me today. I am sitting in my bedroom at the beginning of a brand new decade. It's a brand new year, brand new decade. It's a bunch of newness. There is like a bunch of opportunity out in front of us. And many of you, as is a common tradition, certainly in America, have New Year's resolutions that you are like right in the middle of. Some of you might be at the end of them because, you know, as resolutions go, they're hard to keep. But you are in this resolution because there is this idea of newness that with the turning over of the calendar, there's an opportunity for some new stuff, some stuff that you've like not done before, some things you put off, some ambitions that like you have been waiting for the right moment for and there's enough motivation on social media and in your social gatherings, whether you go to church or to wherever you might go to gather with other people, there's enough chatter that's motivational that gets you to realize that there really is no opportune time to do the things that you have been ambitious about for a long time. So we're all kind of in this like, I'm going to be better mode. And in the midst of that, like, I'm going to be better, we still have, certainly as Americans, we still have some old things that we don't seem to be able to shake loose of, even though for the most part, all of us are in this mentality of newness and thinking differently and behaving differently. I'm gonna go to the gym, I'm going to eat differently. I'm going to not drink as much alcohol. I'm going to invest. I'm going to save. I'm going to finally go to counseling, whatever it is. I'm going to finally start that podcast or write that blog. Whatever it is that you uh, have been putting off, we're all in a mindset of let's do it together now. Let's be new. Let's be different. But we still find ourselves with more of the same in a couple different areas. So today I've noticed that 
Um, with the NFL season coming to a conclusion, there's usually a lot of job openings. A lot of head coaches get fired, and then this search for coaches begins, and all of the pundits on sports talk radio and all the morning and afternoon debate shows will talk about like the new coaching hiring. Was it a good hire? Was it not a good hire? Is this person going to lead this team to do X, Y, and Z? And then you have the press conferences. And here is where there is more of the same. If you look at who was hired and watch the press conferences, you'll see a very common thing. What you'll see is a white man standing behind a microphone talking about the great opportunity that he has been given to coach an NFL team. You'll see more of the same. You'll see that there were minority candidates interviewed because of the Rooney Rule that came about due to a threat to the NFL. The late Johnny Cochran threatened the NFL with a lawsuit and, and not because the NFL was concerned about being like inclusive. They weren't being altruistic in their endeavor to be inclusive. They were trying to cover their behinds. And so they instituted what's called the Rooney Rule, which in essence is that they have to interview minority candidates before they hire a coach. And every year, regardless of what resolution may be made by the NFL or NFL owners or or anyone surrounding the NFL, every year when it's time to make a hire, the NFL decides to hire from the same pipeline. And that pipeline seems to only be filled with white dudes. And I find myself like seeing this today and I thought, you know, I really want to I want to I want to verbally process this with um, with the existential folks that are listening. Like I want I want you to hear I want you to like go through this journey with me as I like think through all that I feel about the NFL and this coaching situation and not I'm not an NFL player. I'm not um, on an NFL team or a part of an NFL organization, but the NFL to me today represents what I have seen in the world. It's not just the NFL. It's in corporate America. I've talked to black folks who work in corporate America who have told me about things that were said about their success, things that were said about the words that they use, this, this, this term that's used to describe black folks that are smart, this articulate term. Oh, you're so articulate. Like, like it's a surprise that black folks can speak with eloquence or be educated. I've talked to people, black folks from corporate America who will say that they will walk into rooms and be the only person of color in the room at all. Like the more you advance as a person of color in your field, the less you get to work around other people who look like you or who have a similar background as, as what you have. And I guess today what I'm doing is lamenting that fact. 
And as a person of color who has worked in predominantly white evangelical church spaces, I can tell you that it's no different than corporate America or the NFL. In the great Western American church. I mean, you just you could do a casual Google search and, and look at the largest churches in America. And what you'll find is you'll find probably a lot of predominantly white evangelical churches. And if you look at their staffs, you won't see a whole lot of black folks in prominent leadership positions. You won't see a whole lot of black folks on the board. You won't find a largely Caucasian church led by a person of color, certainly not by a black person. And I'm saying all these things that maybe you already know, and I'm saying all these things to get you to sit, to park for a moment. Park right here in this space, thinking about the fact that Black people are not given these opportunities. And then as we dig like beneath the surface of the like the fact, the reality that black folks aren't given this opportunity or these opportunities, we dig beneath the surface of that and we have to ask ourselves a basic question, but a really important question. Why? Simon Sinek wrote the book and encouraged leaders to start with why. And I was talking about vision, but I'm going to use it to talk about looking at a system and how it's constructed and asking ourselves the question after we've recognized the facts, ask ourselves why. And to not allow ourselves to get so okay with Wise that are counter to the nature of goodness and justice. Like, let's not allow ourselves to just be like, well, you know, it's, well, you know why. It's always been this way. Or it's because there's racism in the world. And we all know there's racism in the world. And at a certain level, we're all kind of okay with it. Not at a like okay with it in a sense that's like, well, yeah, it's great, but okay with it in a sense that says, well, what can I do about it? I have to accept it. Like when it's raining outside. Like nobody's okay for the most part with the fact that it's raining outside, especially if you have planned to do something outdoors. Like if you've planned a wedding or a graduation party or a graduation outdoors and there's rain in the forecast, you're not okay with the fact that it's going to rain, but you're kind of okay with it in a sense that's like, I can't do anything about the weather. Oftentimes, we treat the why behind the reasons that people of color, people of color are denied. People of color are denied opportunities, face injustice, we treat those reasons, we treat those things like it's a rainy day. The best we can do is put up an umbrella and just deal with it. But to quote one of 
the people that inspire me the most, one of my good friends, one of the guests that you heard on last season's uh, Existential, my good friend Andre Henry always says, it doesn't have to be this way. And until we develop this sort of idea, this mindset, that it doesn't have to be this way, we will con continue to treat racism in America like it's a rainy day. Let's put our umbrellas up because it's raining. Let's look the other way and wait for this storm to pass. As if the storm of racism is just going to pass on its own without human beings, especially human beings who have been afforded the privilege of being white. As if human beings don't have a role to play in abolishing racism, in abolishing systems that continue to perpetuate seasons like we have right now with NFL coaching carousel season, once again, churning out more and more white men. Board spots available in corporate America continuing to churn out more and more white men and probably now a little bit more white women. Church boards that continue to churn out more and more white men. Church leadership that continues to churn out more and more white men. So maybe you're a white person who's listening to this right now and you're saying, what am I to do with my privilege? It's a great question. I'm so glad that you asked, asked, I say asked, asked. It's hard to say asked, especially into a microphone. Come on, let me, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me stay on, on, on task. Okay. I'm glad you asked that question because here's what I believe to be an answer to that question. When you are offered a board position at a church in corporate America, when you're offered a position as a white male and you look around the room and you see that you are joining a very uh, dense, densely white room, I think it may be your responsibility. What are you to do with your privilege? It is to say, hey, guys, you know what? I'm going to turn this down, not because I wouldn't love to be a part of what you're doing, but because what you're doing is missing something. Like when you walk through the doors of a church, if you're a church-going person, and you walk in the doors and you see that there are very few faces of color, that you say, you know what, I really like the music here and the preaching is great. But I'm looking for something a little bit more diverse. When you when you look at the stage and week after week, if, if you're there for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks and every communicator is white. The music has the tones of. Contemporary Christian music that you'd hear on the fish or on forget the other version. What is the other thing that they have? The fish and, um, oh gosh, somebody tell me. You can't tell me because you're not, you're, you're in your car. Just say it out loud. You might be listening to it after you listen to this podcast or before. Ah, oh, gosh, it's going to bug me. It's probably going to come to me at the very end. Anyway, if you hear that, leave. Like, that's what laying down privilege, it's one of the things that laying down privilege looks like is to say, um, 
you know what? I have the privilege to sit in an environment, to sit in a room where everybody looks like me, looks like me, talks like me, probably votes like me. But I'm going to lay that privilege down to find a space where it's not all a bunch of people who are just like me. Now, here is where your mind has wandered to this very interesting place if you're white, maybe even if you're black, where you say to yourself, well, or you're saying to me right now, like it's like, because hopefully this sounds like we're just riding in the car together or at home, like you're maybe you're, you know, getting ready for dinner um, or you're at the gym and I'm spotting you right now. Um, hopefully it's what this feels like. And you're saying, Corey, well, what about predominantly black churches or predominantly black staffs? So I'm glad you asked that. One time I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was asking that very question about like, why doesn't this prominent black pastor have more white people on their staff? And my answer was, if this predominant black pastor hired more white people on their staff, he would be taking one of the few places that black folks can go and work and, and thrive and flourish and, and, and really be energized away from a black person. Not to mention the idea that there is no two-way street when it comes to oppression and racism and, in, and, and the idea of how bias affects the opportunity for a race of people to flourish. By this point, season two of Existential, you're not a person that I have to explain the idea of there not being a such thing as reverse racism to. I mean, we all know that that's mythical. If you're new to the podcast, and maybe this is your first time you're hearing that, it is a myth that there is this idea of reverse racism that, that a, black, a historically black church remaining and keeping the integrity of being black is somehow racist. It's not at all. Uh, the black church was established in, in large part in America because black folks weren't allowed to go to church with white folks. And black folks had to learn how to hear God in ways that were different, in ways that like were more empowering, in ways that spoke to the unique struggle of what it meant to be black and oppressed. It was it, it rose out of slaves who had been beaten and raped and crushed, who had to sing songs of hope to one another and with one another. It's steeped in a deep tradition of what it means to believe in the God of the oppressed, the God who can redeem and rescue and save. So, no, it's not the same as having a predominantly white church. There being a predominantly black church. So why do I say all this as I like get ready to wrap this, this whole thing up? I say all this to you today to say to any one of you who's listening, number one, to those of you who are listening who are white, share this podcast with your white friends. Tell them that you have to listen to this because it's important that like people with privilege begin to think about their privilege differently begin to think about racism differently. Put the umbrellas away because 
racism is not rain in the forecast that you can't do anything about. It is something that you can take daily small steps towards doing away with. Certainly in your circles, you can certainly put yourself in a position where you have minimized, maybe even eliminated racism from your space that you operate in, that you function in, from your community center, from your bingo games, from your um, golf club, whatever it is you're part of, whatever community you're part of, you can eliminate it by saying, I'm going to lay down the privilege. I'm going to do whatever I can to lay down the privilege. I'm going to find environments where I am not privileged and I'm going to sit in those environments and I'm going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to learn, I'm going to listen, I'm going to ask questions, I'm not going to be defensive. And for those of you that, that want to reach out, um, you can. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and you can ask these questions. I can actually introduce you to several um, white folks who have done exactly that. Some have actually been on the podcast, like Jennifer Kinney, like Shane Claiborne. People that you could look to as resources of people who have laid down their privilege in order to be identified with the oppressed, with the marginalized. And for those of you that are part of the tribe that I hail from traditionally, I am a part of the Christian tradition. I've grown up that way. That is, in essence, 100% of what we are commissioned to do and be is people who identify with the people in society who have the least amount of status, the least amount of privilege, the least amount of social status. We're to find those people and to identify with them to see ourselves as like them, to see ourselves as the same as them. Is that not in essence what we see in the example of Jesus? That God, the belief of Christians is that God lowered himself to be like human beings. And then Jesus taught over and over again about getting down to the bottom, not trying to climb our way to the top, but trying to get our way down to the bottom. That's all I'm really asking of you today. If you're listening, just dump some privilege out. And I know that it can feel daunting to think about what am I to do with my privilege? And it can feel like racism is such a big deal that like, there's nothing that you can actually do about it. But the reality is that there are small acts of consciousness that have always been the building blocks to changing the world. A couple of people deciding that it doesn't have to be this way, that change is possible, that the world that is does not have to be the world that always is doing small acts that lead to larger acts that lead to more and more people joining their small acts of consciousness together to seeing the world change. Racism is a huge thing. It's massive. It isn't something that 
I anticipate will change tomorrow. I honestly don't think that it's something that will probably change in my lifetime. But what I want to be able to say is that I handed my children and my children's children a more inclusive world than the one I was born into. And I think all of us can do small things that help bring that world to be. And for the black folks listening to this, let's keep our hope. When we got white folks that ask us questions about like, what can they do about racism? This is what we tell them. Turn down the job and tell them about me. Turn down the board spot, tell them about me. Turn down the consulting gig and tell them about me. I mean, that sounds like a tall ask. You asked. That's what you do. All right, friends. I'm really grateful you listened. I'm really grateful you're here. I'm really grateful for all of you who have been on this journey with me on this podcast. Those of you who have rated, reviewed, who have shared, who have told your friends about it. Listen, I want to get up to even more people who are contending for a better world with us. Because I think it's I think it's important. I think we can do this thing. I think we can see real change happen in the world together. So thanks again to Comfort Fit for the music. Thanks to my guest today, me, and all of you who listened. And thank you for being a part of Contending for a Better World together, one conversation at a time. Oh yeah, it was it was K Love. That's what I was thinking of. K Love.